All right, so Diana Enman, she's from the Marshall Church, and she's going to have our opening prayer. Hi, Father in Heaven. Thank you so much for this opportunity to be at camp meeting this beautiful, sunshiny day. We're here, Lord, to learn, learn about suicide and all that it entails. It can be a very sad subject. And we ask that you will send your spirit to us today. Bless us and help us to learn according to your will, according to our personal needs, and to know that you are with us always. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I was asked to do this subject from Community Services and Disaster Response. And the purpose and reason that they wanted me to do that is because sometimes there are people that come into centers or are in disaster response when you've gone through a natural disaster that are feeling suicidal and they wanted the staff to be able to have some ideas of how to handle that. But my guess from people who've talked to me on campus this week about this class is that some of you are here because you've been impacted in some way by suicide. And that is very, very common because suicide has grown in our society at epidemic proportions. And most every one of you have had some family member or somebody that you knew significantly who's committed suicide. How many of you would say that that's true? So suicide is ending one's own life voluntarily on your own. It's a tragic event. It impacts. It's, it's like when you throw a rock into a lake and it makes all those ripples and it goes all the way out. It impacts people all the way out. You were just telling me about four suicides in your community in high school. Some of the kids came from outstanding families. It wasn't anything that you would have expected and they committed suicide in the ripples. And one of the things they do know is that when somebody commits suicide, it not only impacts us emotionally, but there are often people who watch how the other person coped and they actually will participate in a suicide themselves. So when people are impacted by suicide, very important that the community get involved to try and help, slow down, what is a possible way of people coping with their problems when they see it happening to somebody else? Well, you have to slow... In other words, you need to make sure that you are helping the kids or the people that are impacted by it so that they won't also think that that would be a, a great way to end their life, right? Because they're impacted, their grief or whatever, it seems that there's a lot of copycat, like there is a lot of behaviors where that happens. There are, um, there are families where if a parent commits suicide, often some of their kids will often do the same thing. So I'm just going to leave it slightly open, yeah. Do you feel like it's a mental illness if it's with the family, like family members do it? No, I, don't, I wouldn't call it a mental illness. I would call it an emotional problem. But, um, and there are people who have depression. There's people who have no depression. They're just overwhelmed with their lives, and this is an easier way out. But yes, when you talk about mental illness, there's a higher likelihood of, um, of um, suicide with mental illness. There's a higher likelihood with substance abuse. Usually, substance abuse played a big part. Do you, do you have any idea how many people in the U.S. kill themselves? I just seen the statistics phenomenal. 
45,000 according to 2016. That was in 2016. That's like a big city. That's a lot. It's a lot. Yep. It is a desperate attempt to escape suffering that's become unbearable by that person. And they are blinded by feelings of self-loathing where they hate themselves often or they feel hopeless or they feel isolated. Loneliness is a huge issue. And really, in our society, you know, I think about when I've gone to trip on trips to Europe. The people live in town centers and they walk in the evening and they don't go to their TVs. They're out sitting in the cafes and they're greeting each other. And they, they don't live in the country. They aren't isolated. They're much more people-oriented. In the U.S., what do people do? They go home, they get their carry-out, they take it to the television, they sit in front of their TV and drink a beer or whatever. That is a very isolated behavior and actually... That hurts social skills, etc. That is an issue. So a lot of it is loneliness. Um, a suicidal person cannot see any way of finding relief except through the death of themselves. And desire, despite their desire um, to stop, they just feel like they can't do anything else. They don't see any other issue. They don't see another alternative. There are some sometimes where people just have a really hard time with conflicts and they don't want to solve a conflict they would rather escape. And we see that a lot too. In our USA, suicide is the 11th leading cause of death. That's, you know, past heart attacks and cancer and accidents and all the rest. And again, um a lot of people, you, we can blame some of our social media. People read Facebook and other social media and they believe that everybody's having a better time than them. They post all their pictures about their family vacations and their birthday parties and they're getting together with friends. And that's why they're posting is because they're doing it at that moment, right? But people perceive that they're having a good time all the time. And why am I not having any fun? And that's what they think a lot of um, some of the epidemic is going on is because of social media. Oh. Yeah. Which, by the way, there was a picture there of who? Yes. What a shock. A comedian, somebody everybody enjoyed, popular, and committed suicide certainly impacted a lot of people. That was a ripple. We've had a lot of people that have um, committed suicide that are very famous people. It is the, now, remember how we just said it was the 11th when we were looking at all the age groups? This is really sad. It's the third leading one for ages 15 to 24. If you were to Google teen suicides and then put on images, you would see hundreds of kids, teens, pictures of people who committed suicide. It's just pages and pages of images which is really sad to think about all of those young people, that that was how they felt. Um, isn't that so sad? That's why I said so many of you are going to be very impacted by it. There is a myth about suicide. Do you know what the myth would be? Anybody? It's a well-known myth. Okay, so that would be one, and I wasn't even thinking about that one, but that is very true that... Because there are people that are doing it for attention, but 
you better watch out because they may be successful, so we need to take it really serious. Yes. But the myth is, don't talk to somebody about it because you'll make them want to commit suicide. And the biggest thing is that we need to talk to them and go, are you considering that? Are you worried about that? Are you feeling hopeless? Do you have a plan? You know, you just need to really talk about it. So whenever somebody tells you they're hopeless, like, get your little antenna up. Ding! I need to ask them if they have any plans to hurt themselves. Churches. You think churches can be helpful? Many times people will come to a church and they feel safe about saying something. Be very careful about, you know, somebody goes, I want to tell you something, but don't tell anybody. And people are like, okay, okay, don't ever do that. Say, I don't know if I can keep it a secret. It'll be depending on what you say. You know, that usually can be about cutting, which a lot of the teens participate in, and you have to tell somebody who is a, an adult because you need to be... Um, socially responsible to that child. But the next thing is if they tell you that they want to commit suicide, you can't keep that a secret. You have to get them help. See, one of the things about suicide is that when they're in that stage, that's when they're very serious about it. But they'll be in another stage where they'll go, well, I don't know why I thought about that. So it'll pass. So you have to get them in that stage when they're thinking about it because chances are if you help them get through that stage, they will have a good chance for another part of their life to be better. Bullying online, huge factor with teens and suicide. And they have online bullying. Have any of you heard of online bullying? Oh, yeah. I've talked to kids who somebody made a fake Facebook page and kept talking at school about how he wanted to shoot people or hit people, and so people would come and get mad at him, and it wasn't even his real Facebook page. They just impersonated him. I've had um, teens that told me that they would get on there and do fat shaming and things, you know, you're so ugly, you're so terrible. Like, it's, there's, it's terrible. And it doesn't matter if you are a Christian or even a Seventh-day Adventist. There are mean people in every circle, are there not? And there are people who do not act like a Christian in every circle. You can ask a question, and I will repeat it for the thing. Okay. Um, if somebody says, yes, I've considered committing suicide or hurting myself, mm -hmm. to whom do you report that? So you said, if somebody says that they are wanting to commit suicide, who do you report it to? And we're going to give you some interesting ideas at the end, because I even have something on, on paper. And so I'm going to give you a suicide line that you can call that's 1-800, you know, one of those. But also you always should refer them to somebody that they would like prefer, like a parent if they're young, or to a trusted friend. Who is it that you can call? Because you want to make sure that you do not just leave them alone. That's right. And... Um, I've had people who've told me, I don't care whether I sign something or not. If I choose that I'm going to commit suicide, I will commit suicide. Yeah, and so you do your very, very best. You're responsible to do your very best, but it is not your, it is not your problem. Wait, no, it's, I have to say that a different way. It's, it's not, you aren't, we can't control everything. We need to do our very best to do our very, yes, because people will blame themselves and go, is there one more thing? You do everything. You do your very best. Don't 
let your head hit the pillow without saying, did I do my very best to protect that person? But it still may be that it could result some point in a suicide in the, past, in the future. And I'm like, we do our very best when we have the information. So and I just feel really sad for people who will blame themselves forever, and yet they did a really good job. And um, people can still, you know, the devil is really good at at tormenting people, and he can do it when you think that they are calmed down, and so that's just how it is. Um, but we want to save a life whenever we can, and I would think that would be important. Here's another person that committed suicide, right? Yeah, that was. Shocking. Yes, he was a chef, and he did a travel program, um, and and they're even still showing some of his programs on on TV. But he. Um, a lot of people followed him, and so sad that he committed suicide. People just, you know, it went on for weeks when he died about people said they talked to him and they thought he was doing better. Sometimes when they act like they're doing better is the time that you get really worried because they know what they're going to do, and so they start to feel the burden lifted because they're not going to have to um, commit to anything anymore. Um, one person, let's, let's look at this one. One person dies by suicide every 16 minutes. Isn't that something? And then here's another. Remember, we just read a stat, and this one's a different stat. It depends on, uh, this is 2008. We just talked about um, there were 38,000 Americans or something, and this is 32,000. So you can see this is from 2008 that it's growing. Okay, yes. I'm just like, can you imagine how fast it's growing? And um, with that, our military. We're having lots of issues with the military people. That is a high suicide rate. Post-traumatic stress disorder, um, uh, relationships that are hurt, uh, substance abuse, all of that impacts somebody's consideration. There are cases of suicide in the Bible. Did you know that? Yes, there are. I started looking them up. What? Judas was considered a suicide. Yeah, that was considered... He hung himself. He knew he would, had done something wrong. It wasn't because he felt sorry for what he had done, but he felt bad that everybody knew what he had done or something s similar to that. King Saul, after being seriously wounded in a, in a battle, it was his pride, so he killed himself. And then, yes, you're on it, right. Seeing what the king did, the armor bearer fell on his own sword and died with, with him motivated by fear of what the enemy would do to them. So there's some of it's fear. Let's shoot and kill ourselves beforehand. You see these murder-suicides, like, I don't want my spouse to take care of my kids, so I'm going to kill all of our kids. I just saw that so sad in Kalamazoo. Um, a mother just drove into the river um, and killed herself and her two nine-year-old twins, and I'm just, like, so sad. Abimelech. Mortally wounded by a millstone thrown at him by a woman, was so embarrassed he asked his armor bearer to kill him so that he could escape the shame of it. Yeah. Certainly some interesting facts. Uh, now, I don't know if I can pronounce this. Ahithophel, one of the counselors of King Absalom, hung himself after realizing the king had rejected his advice. We can get so mortally wounded over something like that. Pride, 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 yeah. Zimri became king after a coup d'etat, but realizing the people did not support him, he went into the citadel of the royal palace and set the palace on fire, killing himself. That's an awful way to 
Yes. By the way, when women attempt to kill themselves or kill themselves successfully, they do it by um, less violent means. So women often do it by what? Yes, pills. Uh, that's the most common. And men? Yes, men do it by guns or hanging. Mm -hmm. um, so just a little different in our genders. After the earthquake, the Philippian jailer concluded that the prisoners had escaped and out of fear attempted to kill himself, but Paul came to the rescue and persuaded him to the contrary. Good illustration that we need to be looking out for people, even if we want to escape and we're in a hurry. We need to help people before we do that, right? Yeah. So suicide rates have increased 60% over the last 50 years. This is an epidemic, is it not? Wow. Yeah. Here's another. I keep looking at the um, stats, and they all, they all differ from each other, and I'm not sure who's always getting them, but sometimes they're comparing adults to teens or whatever. More teenagers and young adults die from suicide than from cancer, heart disease, AIDS, birth defects, stroke, pneumonia, influenza, chronic lung disease, all, all of those combined. More suicides. We, we really do need to be listening, don't we, when people say something. And we really need to be hearing with our hearts because we really do want to help people. And most of you who are here because you work in community services or disaster response, very important to recognize that you might be the lifeline for someone. Research shows that during our lifetime, 20% of us will have a suicide within our immediate family, and 60% will personally know someone who dies from suicide. So again, a lot of you are probably motivated to be in here because you knew of someone who tried to commit suicide or did commit suicide. It is estimated that the cost of self-inflicted injuries and suicide is over $33 billion per year. So... If you were looking at it from an economic standpoint, like you're a leader of the country, you would say this is a huge issue because just trying to save people's lives causes some issues with our finances, right? Just like divorces, you know, we have to pay for all the court proceedings and things. And often, I don't know if the statistics say, but often people so so I'm going to have to repeat what you're saying for the um, recording, and that is that even intelligent people are committing suicide, and that means that it's impacting our workforce. Yeah, just like these young men that came back from the war, you know, our parents, and, and so now we've got, you know, more financial poverty and all when they commit suicide. And we have, again, a workforce that is being impacted. Fewer men out there than women because of um, all the, the suicides and the, and the deaths from war. Anything else you wanted to say? Okay, just trying to repeat. Alcohol or drug use suggests that 20 to 50% of individuals who die by suicide have alcohol or drug use problems. And they often say that they, um, I mean, the police people say that often they are under the influence when it has happened. Most suicidal people have a substance abuse problem or, or second, they have a history of depression. So there's some information. 
does um, substance abuse lend to good thinking and reasoning? No. So we know that it impacts our frontal lobe, which is where, and some of you who've been in my class on emotions know that that's your reasoning, your social skills, your conscience, etc. And, and substances actually shut some of those down um, significantly, and so uh, your, your reasoning powers are certainly impacted. Guess what? Suicide is the second leading cause of death for college students. College students. Yeah, I live next to Michigan State University and have worked there, and I'm like, we, there's suicides all the time. And um, it's so sad that they see that only as the only way. I mean, some of them are when they're drinking at a party is when they commit suicide. It's just really sad. Maybe they don't feel in, um, involved with their friends or whatever. They feel alone. Uh, have they compared suicide rates between um, college students and, and students of the same age who are not attending college? You know? I, I do not know the answer to that. And I'll state something that I don't even have the research for. I listened to it on public radio, and they were talking about, I think they said 10 years ago, no, 8 years ago, about 10% of college students had personality disorder or mental health problems, but now it's like 65% oh of college students. I, I, I thought, I'm like, did I hear right? 65% of them are having a personality disorder or a mental health problem, and they also included that with um, like attention deficit impulse control issues. But they were just saying that uh, the counseling programs on university campuses are just full of suicidal kids and substance abuse issue people, and I'm like, and suicide attempts, etc. And I'm like, wow, that just shows how the society is changing and how fast, like we don't recognize how fast. And if you've been listening to Scott Ritzema about how addicted we are to screens, it seems to be that there's some kind of correlation with some of that. What were you going to say, Pam? Sometimes it appears to be relational. My Sometimes friends, it appears to be relational. My friend's son committed suicide because his girlfriend broke up. He wasn't on drugs. He's so she's saying that her, her friend's son committed suicide because he had a relationship problem going with his girlfriend. And yes, and actually I know of somebody too who had that too. That was a shock to the family. He just committed suicide because his girlfriend broke up. Teenagers, yeah, we mentioned that teenagers, that, was a, that is the fast, they, they die faster than from any medical problems in that category. Boys are four, more, four times more successful than girls when they try to commit suicide. Girls attempt suicide at the rate three times a boy. So there's more girls that commit suicide, try to commit suicide than boys, but the boys are more successful. The girls are having, have more failed attempts. Yeah. So this is really sad, isn't it? In the last 40 years, again, that says suicide rates, you know, it depends on what literature you look at. So suicide rates have tripled in our nation. I mean, it's a huge issue. 90% of people who die by suicide are suffering from one or more psychiatric disorder. That could include major depression, 
bipolar, depressive phase. I'm sorry, that's the part of, of the bipolar because bipolar is two poles, right? Up and down or, or north and south. And when they're in the depressive phase, when they're down, that's when they have the more issues. Alcohol or substance abuse, schizophrenia, personality disorders like borderline personality. Those are the people who are always in drama and making veiled threats of suicide and you feel like after you try to help them because you get really sucked in, you feel like you're wrung out. Maybe like, like all the blood out of the turnip or something like that. You get overwhelmed. And those are the ones who have more issues with that. Impulse. You know, impulse. If we follow our impulses on a regular basis, we get more addicted. And we can also have people who haven't even thought about it on a long period of time. They, when you were just talking about that, Pam, about somebody who committed suicide over a girlfriend, it may be that it was just a, an occurrence and they did it fast. Do it fast, yeah. Actually, I know somebody whose son did that. He was fighting with his girlfriend, and he thought he was actually holding up an empty gun and he said well fine I might as well just shoot myself and he did and I'm just like it happens often um, more than we would want it to say now you would think that as soon as somebody is feeling suicidal they'd rush and get help right and here's what they say about why people don't get help they have a lack of education they don't always understand the system and how to work getting resources, etc. They have a lack of insurance, so sometimes they're very poor. They don't always have transportation. Um, and they have a lack of a support system. They don't know who to call. Um, it's very hard on us if we identify somebody who's suicidal and you ask them who they can call and they don't have anyone to call. That's really hard. Might be that you put them in your car and you take them to the emergency room because that's really frightening because you want to know that they're going to be with someone and they're safe so they can get through that. All right, I'm going to, before I go there, how do you know somebody's feeling depressed? What are some of the signs and symptoms of depression? Let's see how you do with them. They talk about being sad. Okay, anything else? They withdraw. You will see them actually... Pulling away from things, maybe they were really active at church and now they just want to lay at home, or maybe they just want to be in bed all the time, or they um, they were doing something that they enjoyed at one time and all of a sudden they don't feel any enjoyment. Actually, I see a lot of you kind of staring off and it makes me think that you know about people like that, right? It's a concern. And, and we also know that depression is very prevalent, so maybe some of you suffer from depression, you already know. Okay, anything else that you can think of? Symptoms and signs of depression. I'm going to see how you did. I have a screen on it. Um, either sleeping too much or sleeping too little, because if you're a manicky uh, bipolar, you will not sleep very much. Mm -hmm. um, yes, because medicines do help a certain amount of people, and... Sometimes uh, people are not compliant with those medicines. They often think they can do it without them, and so that will certainly significantly impact their mood. And, and sometimes they need medicine, and they won't go for that, right? So they get a little more hopeless. Well, I know of somebody who didn't take their medicine because they wanted to feel. They 
I've heard that they like they say that their medicine makes them feel like a space cadet and they just can't feel their tears and I'm like I understand so then they do it and yet they get themselves down right and the farther down you get the worse you can get you can have a hard time recovering in your life or you could go down that pattern where you look at suicide as a potential so you start to see a person showing less emotion and sadness, being annoyed, being quieter, whatever. You can recognize that there's some issues. So let's see how you did. Loss of interest in normal activities, feeling sad or down, feeling hopeless, irritability, restlessness, being easily annoyed. Um, there has to be a, when you're diagnosing depression, usually it has to be a marked behavioral change that lasts for two weeks or longer. And then somebody said about giving things a, uh, away, that is a, like, a pursuit when they're getting closer to suicide. They're like a little bit more easygoing and they start giving things away. I don't need this. I know somebody who, um, was talking to someone online, and they just became friends. They had been friends in high school, but not for very long. And this person mentioned that they had some money in a bank account, and what was their phone number and their address. And they're like, well, why do you want that? And, you know, you're from another state. And then, um, actually, they got a check in the mail, and they called to say thank you, and the phones didn't work. And, of course, the person had hurt themselves, killed themselves. Mm -hmm. Here's more. Crying spells for no apparent reason. Usually when you talk to people with depression, their eyes will fill up with tears. They have problems sleeping. Somebody mentioned that. Trouble focusing or concentrating. Difficulty making decisions. Unintentional weight gain or loss. They either eat too much or they eat too little. Feeling tired and weak all the time. Talking that self-talk. Feeling worthless. Like I'm worth nothing to anybody. Um, unexplained physical problems. You know, you'll see people who always will tell you that they have a physical problem going on and on, and the doctor can't find anything wrong, and they just continue on about all the pain that they have. And so knowing you're a pediatrician, central nervous system does some real games with um, your body, and so when you are feeling depressed, it's not that you're, you're lying about your pain or whatever, it's psychosomatic or and psychogenic pain or whatever. They will um, keep on complaining about pains and, and aches and stuff, and no one can figure it out, but you often will find out that they have a pretty good history of depression when that's going on. And they often look for a doctor that will validate that, won't they? They go from place to place. Yeah. So here's some, some um, events that seem to impact teens. And that is, watch out for teens when they're going through some of these things. Divorce or separation of their parents. They just can't even imagine what life will be like when that happens. Harassment by peers, that's a big one. We should have that flashing on and off because I believe that's a huge one. Sexual identity crisis, um, and it sh almost should be put in with that second one where they feel that they're different or whatever, they, that's a high likelihood. One of the ones that I don't see on there is body dysmorphic disorder, which is where they feel that their body is 
somehow inferior and they are very obsessive. You hear somebody who's like doesn't like their hair. I had somebody who I knew that their hair was too wavy and they just couldn't, they brought it into every conversation, became very suicidal. You never know what it's going to be. Or maybe they lost weight, but they still talk about how they felt as a fat person and um, they just obsess about that. They're highly likely to have some suicidal issues. Easy access to lethal methods, especially guns. School crisis, where they brought shame on their parent or whatever. Not, kids aren't as worried about how their parents feel these days, but that used to be a big issue, especially when you had somebody kicked out of the academy or something. I can tell you that um, my brother was kicked out of academy, and it was like a funeral at our house, and I wondered if he was going to be suicidal in the end. Um, but he wasn't. But he did choose not to be ever a Seventh-day Adventist again. And that's really sad. Uh, genetic predisposition, uh, because they have some issues going on with depression. Feelings of isolation. Again, do we think that that's pretty prominent in this society? Absolutely. Ineffective coping mechanisms. We were singing in my, this kind of goes along with my other class. We were talking about how we need to tolerate issues and not get so upset over them. We had him singing the song from Neil. Nedley's program on depression about, I don't like it, I don't like it, that's okay, it's okay. I can stand it anyways, because if you are always keyed up about everything, then that means that every time something happens, it's another point for you to be upset. So, Yeah, let it go, that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. Cultural or religious beliefs, um, the suicide bombers and those types of things, you recognize that there is some pieces of that. And then I was talking to you a little earlier about the exposure to suicide or a family history of suicide. I remember a secretary when I was doing an internship in a Detroit hospital, and she was telling me, she said, you know, my, my boyfriend's brother committed suicide, his father committed suicide, his uncle committed suicide, and I said, so you realize that he's at risk unless he gets some help? And she said, I know, because he starts to talk in a really hopeless manner. And I always wondered what happened to him because she was really concerned about him. She was a beautiful girl, and they were hoping to get married sometime. But she said, he just has this, like, you know, that's it worked for them. And sometimes, you know, life just isn't worth living. Big indication that ding, 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 he needed to get help. And, of course, I worked for a substance abuse program at that point, and there were all kinds of psychologists or whatever, but nobody seemed to understand what she was saying. And I'm like, yeah, very important that you get help. Um, influence, either through personal contact or media present, present, well, representations of significant people who died of suicide. Again, they're impressed by other people that they think a lot of, and they might follow. Loss or separation, like um, relationships, like you were talking about, a girlfriend or break breakup. Exposure to violence. A family crisis. Runaways have some issues with that because they certainly are abused out there in the society when they're not protected. Barriers to receiving mental health. There are people who bring their... 
We used to have safety nets in our communities, community mental health, and you would bring a person there and say you have a problem and they would keep them. These days they come up with every reason why they don't need to keep them. They send them home and they still have people that commit suicide after that, even after they've been evaluated. So don't believe that somebody else is going to save somebody. You have to keep an eye on them until they get through that stage. Here's more. Experiences of disappointment or rejection. Do we have that every day? I mean, if we're living, right? But if you're not coping, that's like one more thing, and it just keeps on making their reserves. You know, as we're younger, we have reserves in our brain. I like to think about it. Um, And every time, as you get older, have you noticed that older people, you tell them one thing, and they're like, oh, my. It's because the reserves get more thin, and they don't cope as well because of the accumulation of other things. And I believe that this is what happens. Pregnancies, abortions, infections with HIV, serious injury that may change the course of their life, like a brain injury, severe or physical terminal illness or mental illness. Some of you I see writing down so hard, and I want you to know that um, sometimes you could take a picture and so you don't have to work so hard. Okay. And uh, and I, you can have my notes. I don't care about if you want my notes. I just want you to know they're not copyrighted. Okay. Experiences of disappointment or rejection. Oh, we already did that. Researchers found there's a strong relationship between beliefs people report as reasons for not considering suicide. So have you ever talked to somebody and they say, I'd commit suicide, but I don't want to lose my eternal life. Have you ever heard that? I'm afraid that God would never forgive me. And so they did find that that does have a factor when you recognize that, you know, that is a move that you shouldn't do without eternal life. So, like, they did find that. And um, those who believed in freedom of choice about people who commit suicide had a higher education, were low in religious beliefs, and were more likely to consider suicide as acceptable. So you also see people talking about it in our nation, like, do you have the right when you have um, an illness to commit suicide? A lot of people who are highly educated but not as religious say that they believe that that is okay. In fact, remember Kevorkian, assisted suicide? And I think that he was really successful because there were a lot of people that were living with terrible pain and they were not getting adequate medications. And so they said that if we were giving them adequate medications to help them with their pain, then we wouldn't have as high of an interest in assisted suicide. So the society kind of went back to saying, yes, give them medications. Now we're swinging back again. You've got to be very careful with medications. Doctors are put in handcuffs every day because they're giving too many narcotics or whatever. It's just, it's a real hard balance. And there's so many people who are addicted because of pain medications. They didn't really go out looking for an addiction, but because they're in pain after surgery or whatever, they get addicted, and so now they have an issue. The Apostle Paul writes in Romans 14.7, None of us lives for ourselves alone, and none of us dies for ourselves alone. You know, life is very precious. And when we have that precious life, we are to protect it, The life of Christ gives us an example. In face of profound pain, he was even tempted to give in. Wouldn't you agree? He sought, if possible, to avoid the suffering of the cross. And he said, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Remember? He wanted to finish it and be done with it. And um, 
In Gethsemane, as the shadows of death approached, Jesus felt alone and distressed. But he got through it. And why did he get through it? He kept his eyes on his Father, who gave him strength. And that is something that we need to recognize, is that we can't preach to other people, but know for yourself that God can give us strength when we're going through some really dark times. So Jesus turned to his father, the only person he talked to. And it says in, in the scripture when he was going through these things that he prayed more earnestly. There are people who go, I hate going through crises. This is not okay. Have you noticed how when you go through a crisis, you pray more? You're more open to what God says. You talk to your people. Yeah. Um, we had somebody who died last year, and it was somebody, it was a, a young man that I spent a lot of time with in academy, and he'd been out of the church for 40 years, and so when he contacted me on Facebook, I just gave him over to my husband, and my husband and him started to golf together, and they spent time together, and oh, he became very smitten with my husband, as in like he just wanted him to be his pastor, and he appreciated everything he said, and he loved the Bible, and he got so excited about it. No idea that a year later he was going to be dead. So he had lung cancer from years of smoking, and he, um, his dream was to see his children who he had not raised in the faith, to be in the faith, and every time people would come to his hospital room and then to his hospice room, he would pray for them and pray for their hearts and pray for their experience. And he would be witnessing to everybody. And I think, this is Christopher? Christopher, who was, you know, life was a joke all the time and it was always about golfing and what he wanted to do and how it changed his life because he knew he was facing his life. When we have something serious going on is the time to get really serious with God, right? It's time to get serious with God all the time, but I'm just like, that's when it seems that it really piques our interest. So Jesus suffered. His decision to face the cross squarely secured in a deeper meaning for the suffering of us all, more meaning than you could ever imagine. He continued to earnestly pray, and that's what we need to do. And we need to be earnestly praying for those who we recognize are at risk, too. The moral impact of suicide is addressed through a biblical understanding of human life. God created it. We are not the owners of our body. To use it and dispose of it as we please, that's not okay. And the sixth commandment is what? Thou shalt not what? Do you think there's people who also do passive suicides? Where they don't take care of themselves? Yes, by smoking cigarettes. By not taking their pills, I can't tell you, um, okay, I have a friend who, I sat by her bed in the last uh, month, she died two weeks ago, and her son, um, he kept saying, you can just, you know, I'm like too sick to sit by my mother, I'm like, what's wrong with you? Well, his bones are breaking, and Joyce's son, his bones are breaking, he has a yellowish, ca well, yellowish cast to his face. And I said, what do you think's going on? And he said, well, I don't know. I wonder if I have bone cancer. And I said, have you been to the doctor? No, I haven't been. I really don't have a good doctor. And, I really, and I'm like, oh, what are you taking? He's like, ah, oh, you know, whatever happens is happening. <laughs> and uh, I just heard that he moved a certain way and he broke his back. Oh. So, but it's passive about not going and getting the help that you need. 
And is that considered a suicide? If we have time on our life by doing what we need to do to be healthy, and we don't do it, we don't actually, the Lord doesn't get to use us for the full extent of our life, and is that a passive suicide behavior? Yeah, I, I believe that. So when you have somebody who's suicidal, who can you get help from? And here's a list of people. You may not decide even one of those, but I'm just, here's some of the people who can help you. Physicians, they know what to do. So you could even bring them to their physician because the physician knows that if they're threatening suicide, somebody has to be called, a responsible party, the police, the, they need to go to an emergency room or whatever. Community mem members, there are certain people that will know in the community. There's people who, um, that, are, that serve in, in community services, etc., that have been trained. There are support groups. Maybe this person's connected with a support group. Churches. You know, I get calls from pastors. I work for the conference part-time in the ministerial department, and I get a lot of phone calls from pastors because they don't know what they should do because somebody's threatening suicide or somebody's um, even referring to it from a Bible study or whatever, and what should they do and what is their, you know, what happens. And so I will give them the same advice that I'm going to give you today. Uh, family members, like I've had somebody come in and I'll say, who do you trust? Well, I trust my mother or I trust my wife. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to have to call them. Well, no, I told you this privately. I'm like, I cannot keep that private. I need to make sure that you're safe. And so um, I need you to be with them 24 hours, and I'm going to have them pick you up from my office today because they're not, you're not to go home on your own. Well, I need to just get in my... I'm like, nope, can't do that, sorry. And if they do it, I would have to call the police because they are at risk. Um, co-workers, friends, everybody is somebody who we can get some help from. You never really want to be alone with somebody who's feeling suicidal. You really need some support. We've already talked about that people think that when you're talking about suicide, that if you talk to them about it, it'll make them go towards there. No, it's really important to clarify where they're at so that you have information, talking openly to them, Encourage them to rethink their decision, telling them that you need to help. Here's another myth. People who talk about suicide just want attention. They don't intend to do it. That's a, that is um, wrong. But there are people who really wanted to just get you to jump and be concerned about them, and you say to them, I have a responsibility to get you someone to be with you or to take you to an emergency room, and they will, they will change their behavior after a while, because they recognize that every time that they say that, that there's a plan now. A significant number of people contemplating suicide share their feelings of anxiety, depression, and hopelessness with others, and may not feel that there are options. So many times, especially women, will warn people that they're suicidal. Most suicides happen suddenly without warning. That's a myth. They usually had some plan, and they were thinking about it, and they usually warn people about it. Someone who is suicidal is determined to die. No, actually, some of them really need a discussion about, is that really the plan? Is that really what they need to do? Is that the only option? So having a discussion and being kind and empathetic and considerate is very important. 
Once someone is suicidal, they will always remain suicidal? Nope, these are usually considered stages. There are heightened times when they are more at suicide risk than others. And if they have a, a continuous mental health problem, it's when they go up and down, they have an issue. Only people with mental disorder, uh, it should be an S, commit suicide. Um, no, there are many people with mental disorders that have suicidal feelings, but it's not true that everyone has one. When does someone need your help? If they talk about wanting to die or killing themselves, look for a way to kill themselves, like searching online or buying a gun, that's another thing. They can get almost anything, medications, guns, whatever. You might want to ask them, do you have guns in your cabinet? If they say something about a knife, you know, maybe they need to have the knives taken out of the drawer. Um, talking about feeling hopeless or having no reason to live, those are all little indicators that we've got some issue. If you spot the warning signs of suicide in someone you care about, you may wonder if it's a good idea to say anything. Yes, we already agreed on that, that we need to say something. When does someone need your help? When they talk about wanting to die or kill themselves, they're looking for a way to kill themselves. Oh, we already said that, extreme mood um, disorders. So what I said is I will have a piece of paper that I will give you because I think it's really good to keep this, especially if you're in a community service center or whatever. I'm going to just give a few of them. You can take more than one and just pass them back. But these are... Um, these are things to size people up, and I will read it to you. Oh, well, I've got many more. Well, there'll be more coming. How's that? So it says, do you think a person is at suicide risk? Ask the person, right? You have to question and get more information. So let's turn on the light for a minute. You need to ask more questions. Are you thinking or planning to kill yourself? Remember, that's a scary question, but it's very important. Have you tried to hurt yourself before? Now, the reason that is is that if this is their coping style and they've made an attempt before, well, yes, I was in the hospital for this two years ago, recognize that that makes them even more at risk. Do you think you might hurt yourself today? Well, if they say, yes, I'm going to go to the um, waterfall and I'm going to jump off of it at 5 o'clock today, we've got a huge issue. If we go, no, I think about driving into a tree, but I don't really have any plans to do it, that's a little different. Um, if they say, you know, I've, I've wondered about that as an option, but I know that you know, I'd lose my eternal life over it, you say, well, then have you thought about getting some counseling so you could talk some of those things over with somebody very important because they people, don't though, they, don't. they don't what? Lose eternal life if they commit I'm, I'm not going to debate that in here because that would be another question, <laughs> that another class or whatever. But um, certainly people have those concerns. And um, yeah. Do you have pills or weapons in your house? That's like you want to make sure that they're safe or even the person that you're giving them to. So you're giving them to their parent or you're giving them to their friend or your or your whatever. You need to let them know. By the way, they have guns in their house and they're not in a cabinet and they're not locked or whatever. And if you say yes to any of these, do not leave that person alone.
call someone they choose to sit with or call the police or a hotline. Again, they cannot be left alone. Did you get that? And then do you see that 1-800-273-TALK? That is like a crisis line that's international, and they will give you somebody in your local area that deals with suicide and can recommend things to you so that you don't feel alone. They um, will tell you the concerns. You can tell them about the person. They are anonymous if you need them to be anonymous, but they can also, if they believe that there's a risk and they ask you the address, they may send the police to your, your house. So... Yeah. There are other suicide, um, there's other 1-800 numbers. If you Google those, you can find that there are probably five or six of those. I mean, I have actually called one of those lines, and when I had somebody that was actively suicidal, and I have to tell you that I was not happy that the answering machine told me that the lines were full and that I, was, I had 30 minutes to wait. Really. So um, I had to do some work right there and try to figure out where else I was going to call. There are quite a few lifelines. Some of you have um, counties where there are suicide crisis lines that they man 24 hours, and some where they only man them from 7 in the morning till you know, 5 at night, and then they go home. Community member house got a 24-hour. In your county? Ingham County and Eaton County. Yes, what I'm saying is, Gratiot County may not have that. Newaygo County may not have that. West Branch may not have that. Yeah, so it's a concern. All right, we're going to get it wrapped up here. Um, if you see somebody getting agitated or behaving recklessly, it could be that they're having problems with their mental health, sleeping too little, too much, withdrawing or isolating. You need to get them some mental health help. Um, talking about wanting to die or to kill themselves or to seek revenge on people. That's another issue. You know, we've got a lot of murder-suicide going on right now. Yeah. Remember, what does it say in the Bible? It says, vengeance in mind. Well, okay, that's one, but it says that in the last days we're going to see what? Yeah. Children against families and families against children. And I'm like, we're seeing that, so we know that we're fulfilling prophecy because of what's going on. Um, older Caucasian males who live alone are at greater risk, by the way, for suicide. That's another thing. 80% um, of older people who kill themselves are white men. Yes, many times when they have a female that they were married to for many years and she was coordinating the household, she can manage when she's done because she's used to coordinating the household, but he feels very empty and he feels very out of sorts. And so um, older Caucasian males seem to be more at risk for that. Here's a quote that I thought was special. It was Jesus' mission to bring men complete restoration. Isn't that encouraging? Now, we recognize that you can't, put your, you can't bang people over the head with the Bible and talk about thou shalt not kill and that you know, only Jesus is your only hope. Those are all true, but this person may be farther than that and they can't even hear that. So this is not something that you're too punish them with? Well, I'm hoping that it's at the end on the next slide. He came to give them health and peace and perfection of character. During his ministry, Jesus devoted more time to healing the sick than to preaching. The Savior made each work of healing an occasion for implanting divine principles in the mind and soul. This was the purpose of his work. 
he imparted earthly blessings that he might incline the hearts of men to receive the gospel of his grace. Gracious, tender-hearted, pitiful, he went about lifting up the bowed down and comforting the sorrowful. Wherever he went, he carried blessings. Christ recognized no distinction of nationality or rank or creed. He passed by no human being as worthless, but sought to apply the healing remedy to every soul. Ministry of Healing, page 19 to 24. So we want to act like Jesus and show that we care, and we need to take our suicidal people seriously. We need to ask them questions. Have they considered it? Uh, we already went over some of these things. I'm trying to push into our time here. Um, it might be very important to give them a resource. I think that community services should have a resource guide of people who are in the community that can help and to have that on your wall in case you have a crisis. Do they have a therapist that they're actively seeing? Do you, do you need to call their therapist? I've done that a number of times when people have called me on the phone. Um, you might want to know if they're taking medications because, again, they could also do an overdose on those medications. And you might want to tell the person that you're referring them to that you're concerned. Encourage the suicidal person to identify other people in their lives who can also help. It's always nice to write down people that they can contact. And there's the National Suicide Prevention Line. It's a national network that gives you free confidential support, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and I don't think they put you on hold. But your average um, county crisis line may. They may have only two people. Um, I have supervised the master's students at Michigan State, and one of the things that we have in our area is something called listening ear, and so a lot of my students are at listening ear. But there's only two of them at a time, and so a lot of people get a hold message. And there are people who like to keep them busy on that phone for a long time. God still loves them. We want to make sure that we tell them that, that he wants them in heaven someday, very important, and that, um, that you will be happy to help them with resources. That's very important to know. There are lots of resources. Here's some of them. Suicide Prevention Resource Center. You can get information. I've given you a very small amount of information today. And these places have a lot of studies and information and ideas. They may even have um, handouts that you can put in an office. And then I do like Christian sources. And Focus on the Family, I think, has been very helpful. And they have a resource called Alive to Thrive. And it's a like a little booklet that you can download on your computer and put in your office. And then back to Focus on the Family, alive to thrive .focusonthefamily.com. So I hope that gave you an abbreviated idea of how to help people with suicide, make you very aware of people who have needs to be watching for it so your antennas come up and you might be able to help them avoid a situation but also to recognize that we need God to help us be aware of some of the things that are people are doing veiled comments about things, and we want to make sure that we're listening or paying attention or observing at that time so that we can be a help to them. And I know that um, many of us have even things ahead. If you're not in a crisis now, you might have been in a crisis in the past, and maybe you've got a crisis coming up, so I hope that you have a few more tools in your toolbox to start thinking about.
So I wish you the best, and let's pray before we end. Lord, thank you for each person here, and I thank you that you have people who want to help others, who are concerned, who love people and serve, and I pray that you will keep their minds opened and their ears open to what um, they might be able to help with. I thank you, Lord, for um, the people who are here. I pray that when uh, we are discouraged that we will keep our eyes on you and that we will be an encouragement rather than a discouragement to people who are struggling. And thank you, Lord, for this camp meeting session in your holy name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.